Um, but anyway, on a much more kid-friendly topic, I guess, as opposed to yeah, yeah, that. Um, this is all gonna get cut out anyway, except for our our Danish friend. Shout out to the boy. Um, he'll hear all this all this goodness. But uh, speaking of friends, we have a new friend, a new friend who, as God gifted Moses on the Mount, the Ten Commandments, our our new friend Brady G has sent us a deck list. We're here to interpret that and. Uh, give out the divine gospel as a uh, Brady G intended. But first, let's introduce our co-host. I'm Jules. I'm here with my co-host, Eric. Hello. And Chef. Yo. No Oak today. He is in the process of moving. So good for him. But in the meantime, we're pimping decks. Chev, what exactly is a pimp my deck? <laughs> to pimp or not to pimp? <laughs> A Pimp My Deck, of course. Uh, if you guys have been listening since um, episode 20, if not, that's a great one to go back to. Pimp My Deck is when we get a listener who is kind enough to submit a deck list to us that they think needs a little tweaking and a little bit of love. We're not here to kind of rip it to shreds like we do on our roast. We're here to kind of just build it up, offer some good ideas for it to come from. Uh, of course, we did this first with Zakama in that episode 20, and now we're here to do it with Thraxamundar, the something something, or is the name just Thraxamundar? The legendary creature, zombie assassin. That's true. Uh, why don't you just finish reading that card so our listeners know what we're working with? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he costs four in Grixis, so that's four blue, black, and red. Uh, he is haste, and whenever he attacks, defending player sacrifices a creature. When a player sacrifices a creature, a player, so that's you included, you may put a 1-1 counter on Thraxamundar. His name means he who paints the earth red. He's a 6-6. Six, six. So so very close to that, that magic number of 7 where it's 3 hits. The first time he hits for 7, then 8, then 9. Assuming that the only sacks that are happening are his attack trigger. Right. And that there's a creature for the sack every time. Yes. Well, if your opponents have no creatures, I think you're already doing all right. So, <laughs> But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that. So, so Thraxamundar, a old school Grixis legend from, I believe, original Shards of Alara block. Yep, one of those sets, either Shards of Alar or Conflux. I could easily look at the card, um, and it, I could see what it is. Alar Reborn. Alar Reborn. Oh yes, the one that I did not name. Excellent, great, <laughs> love it. But uh, anyway, this is what this is what our uh, our listeners said to us about this uh, deck. We'll we'll read their little synopsis, and then we'll discuss the deck in general, and then we'll go into how we're going to give this deck a facelift. So they say it's an attempt to step. Uh, slightly outside of their comfort zone in terms of both strategy and color combo. They've played most colors uh, and most color combinations. They don't really have a standard favorite, so it's not a blue for me or a green for Eric. But Grixis is usually towards the bottom in terms of their their rankings. It's never slightly appealed to them. Um, they've also never built a Voltron commander, which is what Thraxamundar looks like at first glance to them. Uh, I would agree. I mean, he's a big beefy boy, like we said, and he, he likes to get in. So Voltron definitely is a way that could go. They put together the list, uh, they've tried it out a few times, but they're concerned that they're committing too much to the bit, or they need to rethink how Thrax can function as the centerpiece of the deck. They'd love suggestions on how Thrax can be unique, add relevancy to this deck, and also just what should one do when they do not normally play Grixis, but they want to uh, expand their horizons. They said, <laughs> they've noticed this deck has a lot of the pie filling, but not enough of the crust, so I guess need some more need some more staples need some more things that actually allow you to play the game as opposed to all the uh, the flashy stuff so first off this deck has 103 cards that might be the first the first place to start but um <laughs> you know I've been there many a time where I just 
throw a bunch of cards together and I'm like, oh, I'll cut it down eventually. So um, I'm assuming this is, of course, in an in-between stage and we're going to help it to get to the next part. But yeah, there is a, a lot of creatures in this deck, 35 of them to be exact, and um, a majority of them make one or more people sacrifice a creature. So you've got things like uh, Fleshbag Marauder and uh, Merciless Executioner that say when they come in, everybody sacrifices a creature. There's other things like, uh, I noticed there's quite a few of the exploit creatures from uh, from Khan's block. So Sadisi Undead Vizier is a 5-mana 4-6, and it says exploit. When this creature comes in, you can sacrifice a creature. And then if you do this one, Demonic Tutors, there's other ones that do other things. So other ways for you to be sacrificing so that you don't have to rely on your opponents having things. Other than that... We got a couple of token generators. I'm, I'm assuming the idea here is to make things for you to sack with the... Creatures that are coming down definitely seems like a bit of a sub-theme going on, um, but a little bit all over the place. Mostly seeing Eldrazi, which I think is an interesting nod, because uh, there are a lot of token generators, especially when you're in black, you've got access to zombies. In blue, you have access to drakes. But in in this color, the Eldrazi, of course, the Scions and Spawn um, can sacrifice themselves for a uh, generic or colorless mana. So you have that ability to, regardless of whether or not your opponents can do stuff. The Eldrazi can sacrifice themselves for that 1-1 counter on Thraxamundar. Yeah, I thought that was actually a, a cool little include, and I think that could be a way to take the direction. The deck will talk about this, of course. And then um, plenty of artifacts um, just to ramp because Thrax, as we said, is, is a big boy. And then a few other odds and ends here and there. Looks like probably a few pet cards. Um, like Right of the Raging Storm technically does synergize, but it's not the most efficient card. I see a Skullstorm in there. That's an Oakley favorite, so shout out to him for not being on the cast. Interesting choice with a seven mana commander, though. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder yeah. how many times I mean, you're casting this. Now, of course, that does bring in, there is a pretty good um, artifact that should probably see more play uh, in this deck. Sitting at 23 cents is the C20 Netherborn Altar, which is put a soul counter on it, put your commander into your hand from the command zone, then lose life, three life for each soul counter. So it's good to see something like that. Hopefully, you'll be able to cast Thrax more than once. It will definitely be a threat on the table, but having other ways besides that inherent mana cost, especially I don't see the big mana package in here, so it's it can be a little hard to be playing Thrax again. Yeah, so we don't have any inclination as to, one, what sort of budget um, hmm, this true. deck is working under, so that might be why the big black mana is not included, but of course we'll mention that. Um, and also we don't know exactly what level this playgroup is working at, so maybe Thrax... Uh, doesn't get removed that often or maybe that's true or maybe we're just working with very very long games where we just have 15 lands in play and thrax gets cast multiple times but anyway mm -hmm. that's what the deck's looking at let's break it down let's talk about what we've sort of uh thought up I, i'd love to start so one thing that i really noticed about this deck was it liked big creatures you've got some big stuff in there like butcher of malakir seven mana Thrax, 7 mana. Archwing Depravity, 5 mana. Demon of Loathing, 7 mana. Like, you you want the top end, so I want to I wanna give you that top end. Uh, so I, the way I took things was to sort of double down on that. And the best way to double down on an, a uh, high mana cost package, especially if you don't have that big black mana, is Reanimator. Uh, Reanimator is just sort of a more affordable version of big black mana. Because in this color combination, you can run a lot of looting effects, a lot of things that uh, wheel or let you move through your hand and move through your deck while building up resources in your graveyard and uh, 
now I'm going to talk a little bit about those reanimator things that I decided to throw in here. Uh, first off, Victimize. Literally a dream card for this deck. You get to sacrifice a creature and reanimate two creatures. Ideally, this is pumping Thrax, getting rid of a token you don't care about, and bringing back two gigantic demons. That sounds amazing. Just insane for the mana cost. Drana, the last Blood Chief. Similar, but repeatable. In that, like, you are just pulling back all these big non-legendary demons because a lot of them just aren't legendary. Demon of Loathing, seven mana. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, uh, it's got Flample. That player sacrifices that a creature. So that is a non-legendary thing that we can get back with Drawn of the Last Blood Chief. Same thing with Persist. Oh yeah, that new one for Modern Horizons. Those are two relatively cheap reanimate cards. Um, I think those both fit in here great. More traditional stuff. Um, animate Dead is just really genuinely good. And as a green mage, shout out to Phyrexian Reclamation because it does the thing that green usually does for reanimation where it just gets it back to your hand. That's a great card. It's so good. It's just consistent value generation, and if anyone ever goes to remove it, you can just dump mana into it and get everything back. Um, Apprentice Necromancer is another interesting one. Definitely lower on the value and lower on the power, but I thought it was cool in this deck because you end up sacking two creatures and you can get one of your big beaters back for a turn because it sacrifices itself, then a big beater comes back, it's got haste, it can do whatever it needs to do, and then the big beater sacrifices itself at the end of the turn. So anything that really cares about sacrifice is going to love those. And then a uh, card that is just the perfect transition paragraph for my deck is Rakshasa Debaser. Encore, as opposed to most things involving tokens, which end in exiling them, ends in sacrificing the tokens. Rakshasa Debaser is a huge reanimator. It gets to bring back a lot of cool stuff that your opponents lost and... It ultimately allows you to get a bunch of sacrifice triggers. It feeds into sort of that big creature, big mana idea. A couple other Encore cards that I thought fit in here as well. Amphin Mutineer, just your opponents now have Salamanders as opposed to their good creatures. Exile, whatever's the problem. Uh, Briarblade Adept, definitely less impressive, but uh, it's another good Encore effect, and the sacrifice triggers at the end are good. Uh, if you don't know, Briarblade Adept is uh, whenever it attacks, it can give target creature a minus one, minus one. So... In total, uh, when you swing with hopefully three of them, you're giving something minus three, minus three. Hopefully kill one of the smaller commanders at the table or something. And then Trove Tracker is the one where when it dies, you draw a card. I thought those four Encore cards would all be great in here. I think one of the cool things about those Encore cards, too, is that they're all cheaper. I mean, Debaser is still, what, five or six mana? But So all those that you said, you're perfectly happy to just play them out. And then depending how you decide to take this deck you might have ways to sacrifice your own stuff. I mean, say even you just want to play a Victimize. I'm perfectly happy to play a Debaser, maybe get an attack in, sacrifice it to some effect, and now it's in the graveyard, and now I can Encore it. It's not like we have to, like, entomb it. These are just things that you can play, and they will die normally, and then you can mm -hmm. get extra value. Or, aka, sacrifice them, and then, instead of die normally, and then extra value. Yeah. Rakshasa Debaser is especially just insane because when it attacks, it gets you more things that you can sacrifice to get more resources in this deck because uh, the way I ended up building the deck, there was a couple more things that benefit off sacrifice things or gave you things when you sacrifice creatures. It's it's really just... Rakshasa Debaser, if I had to point to a card in the deck and be like, this is what we're talking about with my deck plan, it would be it would be that. <laughs> um, it's big it does a lot it's it's just mm, i love it 
I added a couple, a little bit more to their token generation theme. Uh, they were missing some more, I, I don't even want to say some of the more obvious ones, but some that I thought would fit well in the deck. For example, like Hanvir Garrison, I think would think well. This is clearly a deck that's trying to engage in combat. And also, I will take any excuse I have to put a meld pair in there. So I did also <laughs> add uh, Hanvir Battlements. I put one of the Krankos in. I believe it is Cranko, uh, Cranko Tin Street Kingpin, mm-hmm. which is the three mana one two. Uh, whenever it attacks, put a one one counter on it, and then create a number of goblins equal to his power. So hopefully on the first on the first swing, you're going to get at least two goblins. If he survives, things can really get out of control, and that's a lot of sack fodder for you. Um, Care Keep is just a land that makes sack fodder, which is great in this deck, and it's very cheap. Shout out to uh, the Wolfgar deck. I put Tillinali's Summoner in here as well, because it just makes a bunch of 1-1 elementals that your opponents probably aren't going to block, so more sack fodder. And then Release the Gremlins. Oh, a classic. That card, which I believe Chev has called out on this pod before. XX and Red, Destroy X Target Artifacts. Create X two two red gremlin creature tokens. I don't know how many artifacts are in your playgroup, but in our playgroup, I don't think I would ever be too upset to draw or release the gremlins, especially in a deck with a token sub theme. Yeah, you're always killing like at least two or three things. Yeah, mm-hmm. and plus, it's just fine to nuke someone soul ring. Yeah, like it's that's just a good play. Nuke a soul ring, get a two two for three mana. That's that's not a bad trade. Um, Dosen of Perfection and Delina Wild Mage are two slightly different token generators. Dosen is sort of like a bigger creature fitting in with that big creature, sort of big mana theme. Um, and then Delina Wild Mage uh, works with those big creatures to uh, help make you some copies of them. And Delina Wild Mage, I believe, also when uh, you reach the end of combat. No, it is exile that creature. But if you have any sack outlets on the field, you can just sack it right before uh, it would exile itself. So, Eric, I'm... I'm interested to hear about what you're because you're talking about some token generation and that's something i think that you have in common with both chev and i's game plans but i'm interested to hear what sort of sacrifice effects or outlets you have and what you're using those tokens for yeah um i have to be honest i didn't really add a ton of those sacrifice outlets uh mostly because uh, i thought that they had like not a terrible number of them. So I went and focused more on things like uh, bone splinters, uh, just one mm. mana removal, destroy target creature, sacrifice a creature. Uh, vampiric rights, two mana, sack a creature, gain a life, draw a card. Things like that. Uh, village rights, uh, a lot more of the sort of one off sacrifice your own creature, get benefit things. Uh, vampiric rights is obviously repeatable, but I, I focused more on the. The cards in that vein. Uh, I did also add Ashnod's Altar because... How do you not? If you have $10, you should put Ashnod's Altar in any deck that likes to sacrifice things. Yeah, that's just like one of those cards that... If you're building an... E- if you're, you know, have some sort of EDH collection, you should just own one of those. You're going to put it in a deck eventually. For sure. Well, that's cool. Because I... That was not what I was doing at all. Like the, the Altar's Reap style. Uh, of effect mm. but i do like those and i love oh i love me some village rights and standard i can tell you that much yeah village <laughs> rights um bone splinters is a card that I, I definitively have memories of and when i saw the sack theme that was that was sort of where i wanted to lean heck yeah uh what did you guys end up doing with it oh sorry eric i i do want another question just because i think it's something that we should discuss throughout this pod is what are you doing or not doing i guess with thrax because i think one of the things that was talked about in the communique for this deck was 
they really liked Thrax, but they were unsure what to do with him. And mm. I am also sort of in that limbo, so I was wondering yeah. if you had. Thrax, I understand all of the confusion. I get it. I can see the pips on the card, but if you ignore them, this is clearly just Naya beat face. You just <laughs> you just punch him in the throat. Like, you can do a lot of cute stuff with Thrax where, like, oh, you can play, like, the Akroan horse and give your opponent's creatures so that they have to have stuff available for you to sacrifice. And, like, you can lean on that sort of theme. Or you can be like, this is a 6-6 six, six with haste. That's kind of a threat. And then play a bunch of other medium-large stuff and be like, I don't know, deal with this. Essentially, my plan with Thrax is he is a repeatable threat that is going to sap my opponent's resources mm -hmm. and just is something that they have to respect because he is a large, hasty commander. I like that. Yeah. He's one of those things that I think you can do a very specific build around, and I think you can get cute with it. However, due to having just finished moving, I elected to not get cute with it and really just go for, well, why don't I just kill you and then you and your theme shit can do whatever you want. <laughs> I respect it. I respect that point of view. Understand. Well, Chev, you have a theme, don't you? I, I do. When I look at Thraxamundar, there's kind of a, a, a divide. It's something that I, I know I always struggle with, and it's like, you can't hit both lanes. And so I went into this build kind of focused around, you know, we want to see what we can do with Thraxamundar. We don't just want a, a good Grixis deck. So those two abilities are, you have like Annihilator Light, and then you have... Make me really big with sacrifice, so then I swing for a lot of damage. And so the end result is, yeah, we want Thrax to be as big as possible. We want to get to the one hit, the two hit kill range. And of course, Thrax gets bigger when any creature is sacked. And we see a little bit of this synergy in the list given with the Eldrazi tokens and some of the creatures that on entry like are going to make everyone sack something and you'll obviously most likely sack themselves. And I thought that was kind of cute, um, but I really wanted to commit to it. So my idea for the deck is a little bit more poisonous, and it's <laughs> <laughs> it, it's more everyone's going to sack everything all the time, including us. You could say that you could make the deck around like only our opponents sack things, but that really leaves a lot on the table, and it seems like Brady thought so similarly, and that's why we see Rankle and Ruthless Deathfang. So I want to kind of take those existing synergies we have in the deck and just make it really good. And also, there's a ton of good cards that care about death triggers. So when we have a lot of our things dying, and that's kind of our dominant strategy, we can use things like, oh, I don't know, Grave Pact, or what is the what is the one from Theros? The Flash one? Dictate of Erebos? That if you're making all these things die, make them die double and make Thrax even bigger. My dream is to sack like one thing, play one effect, watch them chain, get Thrax to like 11. That's only five things that I need to sack, and it would be really easy with a couple of these things on the board. So with this kind of goes, I want more things to sack, but I want it to be more reliable. Token generators are good, but someone runs a board wipe and you're out of tokens that you can really deal with. The, the Eldrazi can kind of, you know, sack themselves, but Thrax will also be dead. So I want things like Reassembling Skeleton, where I can sack it and then bring it back the next turn. I want things like Grave Titan that continuously make one or two tokens, so it's harder to get necessarily blown out. Also, you can bring back Grave Titan, uh, Grave Crawler. We can dip into the somewhat zombie synergies because, of course, Thrax is a zombie. So if we have one on the battlefield, which is Thrax, we can use that to our benefit. And and things like Haven Gall Lich, which is a card I think is like criminally underplayed for its ability of tapping one and just casting a creature from your graveyard. 
just bring them all back. And all of these, these kind of suggestions do little different things, but they highlight the strategies of using your graveyard as a resource to pull cards and continuously sacrifice the same things over and over. Chev, I have a question for you. And if the answer is unacceptable, I, I'm going to need you to correct it. Are you playing Rooftop Storm? Oh, of course. Thank you. I have, the, I have my kind of idea built up, and there's a section called Just Good Cards. This includes Rooftop Storm, Turgrid, which I did see in the deck. I don't think that was there when I originally looked at the deck. And Prince of Thralls. Comes in at 8 mana, but it's a 7-7. Seven, seven. Um, and whenever a permanent uh, an opponent controls is put into a graveyard, put that card onto the battlefield unless your controller... Unless, under your control unless that opponent pays 3 life. So it's like a little nicer version of It That Betrays. Uh, we're trying not to go too Eldrazi in here. There are some fun synergies with Annihilator. I, I did think of those, um, but we, we tried to be not that that heinous. You mm. sick, sick. I mean, man. if there was ever a deck to go off with Annihilator, I think this is it. There was when we started talking about this deck, especially in Eric's section. It was like, you know, we're still shopping around for an Eldrazi commander. If we, uh, if we capitalize on those Annihilator triggers and be a little more painful, plus Grixis is just the right colors for the amount of poison that Eldrazi is. So, in my mind, you've got all these things that you're sacking. Thrax is getting big. That's how you're going to win. But also, like I mentioned with the Dictate of Erebos, like Grave Pact, there are ways to capitalize on these things kind of going in and out of the graveyard. One of the big ones, um, since you're going to make opponents sack a lot, don't let their stuff get reanimated like yours. Play Leyline of the Void or the new Douthy Voidwalker, uh, who, of course, Douthy is from um, Modern Horizons 2. And whenever a creature is an opponent controls, dies, exile instead. And you can sacrifice Douthy to play one of those cards from exile. So you get to use their best thing as well. Chev, in that vein, another card that I had put under just like good-ish cards that you should put, uh, Kalidus Trader of Get. I, I think it's a little mm. more expensive monetarily, but yeah, yeah. it's a... Uh, he, he's a little up there. It's a 3-4 with lifelink for four mana. And then it says whenever or if a, a creature your opponent's control would go to the graveyard... Um, exile instead so it's got that lane line of the void thing but then when that happens you get a 2-2 zombie which is mm. for your deck at least synergizing of course you get to use that for uh, for sack <laughs> well then and then Kalidus has another ability I think that's like pay some amount of mana sacrifice a zombie he gets a counter so it it's there's so many just levels of yeah especially if you're doing the zombie deck play that in the deck Kalidus looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh card with the amount of text that man has on him <laughs> yeah yeah I think we've gotten a lot more Yu-Gi-Oh cards recently. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the green creature that has power of 2,000. Because I think it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Dude, Strixhaven. All the text and everything <laughs> was double-sided too. It was. I was just like, what the heck is going on? It was on? rough. As we talk about cards that are just good in this deck, even if you don't fully lean on the big mana theme, it, it stays there enough just with creatures that involve sacking or generally large. Um, Rakdos Lord of Riots is just so good in this deck, I think. You are an aggressive deck. You are attacking. It's central to what Thrax and Mundar wants to do. So dealing damage to an opponent's not going to be a huge problem. And once you do, Rakdos is just going to make it so much cheaper to play out your large threats in the later game. Zara Renegade Recruiter is also another creature that I thought was just amazing in this deck. Uh, three, blue and a red, human pirate flying. Whenever Zara Renegade Recruiter attacks, uh, look at defending player's hand. Put a creature card from it onto the battlefield under your control, tapped and attacking. That player or a planeswalker they control, return that creature to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So, swing at Julian, steal his Stormtide Leviathan, smack him for eight, sack his Stormtide Leviathan, 
At no point did he get to use it, have it, or enjoy it. He got hit for eight, and then it went to the graveyard. So any version of this deck that involves sacrificing your own things, I think should be playing Zara. Yeah, you can also get... I, I didn't really dive too deep into it, but Active Treason effects get a bad rap. But this would be the perfect deck to kind of play them in. Play a few of those, get your opponent's biggest threats. If, if you're playing against an, an opponent with like a token deck, you're going to run into some problems if your main theme is Sacrifice because they'll just keep sacking the tokens and that'll give you some of the inherent value, but you won't be able to deal with the big threats at the table. Like if you're, say, playing against Julian in most of his decks that only has one or two creatures. True. So being able to pick those creatures that are sacrificed is just as good as killing them. Steal one of their guys, make him swing, and sack him out. Uh, the last card I really want to highlight, though, is Eternal Skylord, who is from the kind of leaning more into that zombie synergy again we got a lot of zombie lord ish things from war of the spark this one happens to kind of bring the deck back into blue a little bit gives all zombies you control flying so whether you're dealing with a bunch of 2-2 zombies that you've created with the likes of grave titan or making a board that you're trying to sacrifice or you just want thrax in the air as a much larger threat eternal skylord does that and gives you a token upon entry jeff you got ghoul color geese over there Oh, you know I do. But I wasn't sure about budget. Anything that, you know, you can sack a creature, make more. Ghoul Caller is just nuts. I'm really hoping we get a reprint. Oh, we do get a reprint with... Uh, Commander Collection Black. Comes out this year, has a Ghoul Caller Gisa, is hopefully going to be a solid price like the uh, green one was. Yeah. If if you are able to pick that up, if you are financially viable to pick that up, mm -hmm. I would I would pick it up because there are a lot of good reprints. And Ghoul Caller Gisa happens to be in it. That's also why I thought of that. Yeah, I think I think that's most of what I've got to say. Make your thing care about that sort of universal sacrifice effects. You're in this too, as well as your opponents. Just make sure that they lose a lot more than you do. And then uh, Thrax will just inherently become large enough to smash face. Well, the idea with the zombies is that you are sacrificing them, but you're either making a bunch of tokens of them or they just keep coming back, right? So mm -hmm. that's the, uh, the sort of resource denial you're going for. All right, Julian. Give us, All right. give us what you got. Show us what you got. So I got, I have like a a, a smattering of little little ideas that could be. T I think I think Full first upgrades. off, yeah. First off, I think it should be noted that the most apparent or one of the most apparent ways to do Thrax is to do a Voltron deck. If a Voltron deck is what you want to do, you are far away from it. Um, you definitely need a lot more equipments or things that make him unblockable. So you could play things like Artful Dodge, but I would just play things like Whisper Silk Cloak. Um, and then, once again, depending on your budget, you could throw anything from a simpler, simple Fire Shrieker, which gives a creature double strike, all the way up to things like Swords. I think you're actually obligated by lore to include Unsythe Killer of Kings, which is, uh, <laughs> which is I believe, Thraxamunder's actual weapon. And I really should have pulled this card up so that I can read it. Um, here it is. Luckily, Google has that autofill going. Uh, so it's it costs blue, black, black, red. So it's a colored artifact. It's an equipment. Uh, equipped creature gets plus three, plus three, and has first strike. So Thrax will be attacking as a 10-10. If you can sack one more thing, he'll be attacking as an 11-11, and now he's in range of a two-shot. And then uh, whenever a creature dealt damage by equipped creature this turn dies, you can exile it. And if you do, you get a 2-2 black zombie creature token, and it equips for two. So pretty powerful. Um, it kind of removes any possibility of anything that basically chumps because not many things can handle a 10-10 first strike seems about that right that right kind of power level that we're we're looking for so Vol voltron is definitely a thing you can do but you gotta you gotta make sure that you are protecting thrax suiting them up and 
getting into that combat zone. Um, if only Oak was here, he could tell you about all the ways that you could take extra combat steps to potentially kill people in one turn. Um, but see our uh, our Wolfgar episode there or just look up things that say take an additional combat step on Scryfall. I was actually going to build this as extra combat steps, but then I was like, we did that like two weeks ago. I need to pick a different <laughs> route to build yeah. this. Brady should have got to us earlier. He had to beat Wolfgar. and uh... It's a viable strategy, but uh, for the sake of doing new things. Um, also, another thing I think, Chev did a zombie deck. I think that, once again, if you're if you're operating under the mantra that you want to make like almost a token deck, but plenty of tokens for the sake of sacrificing them to useful things, uh, either an astronaut's altar to generate mana or alter Jeep effects or um, whatever, or victimize like Eric was kind of going. Uh, there's a ton of goblins that just generate mm-hmm. like several bodies, like Beetleback Chief, four mana for three bodies, uh, Siege Gang Commander, uh, Sling Gang Lieutenant. Um, Cranko. Yeah, Crank. Well, yeah. So you you could make essentially... Shalik. Yeah. Yeah, Path the of other Cranko. Yeah. And plus there's enough of them too that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's enough of them too that care about goblins dying or do incidental whenever a goblin's dying. I think Pashlock Mons is one of those ones where whenever Ooh. a goblin dies, it does. Boggart shenanigans. Can we get some uh, Boggart shenanigans in here? Bruh. I think Bruh. that's like deal of damage whenever uh, <laughs> goblins die. Well, there's also, of course, goblin bombardment, which is just an enchantment. Ooh, yeah. sack, sack a creature, a goblin, uh, and deal one to any target. So, so you could easily make a goblin's deck like this, and that would lean a lot more into the red, which I think has been like the, the least represented color in terms of what we've been talking about. It's mostly been black stuff with a little bit of blue. And then, uh, but I also really like the Eldrazi sub-theme. Chev, you mentioned that there's a lot of Eldrazi in there that create those spawns, Mm -hmm. which are nice because they can sacrifice themselves whenever they want. You don't need an outlet. You don't even need a target. You're just like, I'm just going to sacrifice three spawns. Boom, Thrax is three bigger. Um, So I think that I I, I didn't, I don't know if all of the cards that make spawns in here, but it looks like most of the playable ones. I think all the Eldrazi ones do. Yeah, they'll they'll either ETB. There's a bunch of good ones that ETB create spawns. Mm -hmm. Have those guys that make other spawns. And then while you're at it, honestly, throw in the ones with Annihilator and you'll have a great time. That is certainly a path that you could take the deck if you did not want to have a playgroup to play with anymore. Is this a a, a subtly worded message? Oh, you know, another another card that's really good um, and also because it's coming out, it's getting reprinted in Commander Collection Black is Ophiomancer, which is at the beginning of every Mm -hmm. upkeep if you don't have a snake, you make a snake, and it's got death touch, so that's four four potential sack fodders throughout the turn. So that's that. But um, I want to talk about that that real cool stuff, and that is, of course, that's those sack engines for value, and uh, maybe going infinite. Uh, that is that is what I think uh, you should be doing with this because I don't like attacking really, actually. And <laughs> as much as I like Thrax for the the look and the flavor. I'm just like I think I, I think we need to do most of the the lifting for him, and then he'll just come through at the end to to deal the final blow. So what's the plan? Make him infinite, and then just fling. You know, I didn't Honestly? even think of flinging. I just kind of assumed that once we did this, our opponents wouldn't have any creatures or whatever, so we could just attack. But um, a couple infinite combos just for your consideration. Um, first, all these good ones start with astronaut's altar or Phyrexian altar. But um, once again, I'm I'm assuming that we're probably not. Working with Frexian Alter, considering that card is steadily creeping towards $70 now, 60 Oh, yeah. A lot of money. Honestly, before going for a Phyrexian Alter in this deck, you should go for Bitter Blossom or something. Yeah, Bitter Blossom is another card that I have here. Or you could go for the budget Bitter Blossom, which is Dreadhorde Invasion. Command the Dreadhorde? Oh, Dreadhorde Invasion, yeah, yeah. Dude, Command the Dreadhorde, though. I That's a card that Eric should have in his deck if you want to 
kill yourself because you lose life equal to the total converted <laughs> so mana cost. So much life. It's, oh my god, it's yeah. rough. Look that card up if you don't know what it does. Um, but anyway, yeah. So start with an Ashnod's Altar, and then you need basically any creature to start with, and then you also have an animation module, which uh, uh, animation module is a one mana artifact. Uh, whenever one or more plus one plus one counters are placed on a permanent you control, you may pay one. If you do create a one one colorless servo artifact creature token, uh, there's another activated ability. Doesn't matter. All you do, you have that initial creature plus Thrax on the field, of course. Sack that creature. Boom. Thrax gets a plus one plus one counter. Um, you have either two generic or one colored mana from your one of your altars. You use that to pay for animation module, which makes a one one colorless servo that you can now sack to your altar again. Repeat, add infinitum. And you have an infinitely big Thrax. You potentially have infinite colorless mana if you have an astronaut's altar. You have infinite ETBs and infinite LTBs slash dies trigger. So if you want to put something like a Blood Artist, a Impact Tremors, a Zulaport Cutthroat, Oh, yeah, all those are good options. Yeah. And um, sneakily, if you have uh, both a Phyrexian Altar and an Ashnod's Altar, you can cycle so that you have infinite colored mana, and then you can start sacrificing Thrax and casting him over and over again, and then that's how you win with Skullstorm, baby. Oh, God. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, that is some, some janky stuff, but yeah. I love it. But generally, you should just go for the Ashnod's and the animation. <laughs> it, ge- it generates you... Uh, Infinite colors, which not not is not even necessary. It, you could obviously play like Fireball or Exsanguinate in this deck, um, but it gets you an infinitely big Thrax, which you can, uh, like Chev said, fling. You can just use it to attack, assuming that you are maybe playing just some control elements, and you can just clear the way, or, or, you can do something like play a Chandra's Ignition. Target creature Ooh, deals damage equal to its we power. We love Chandra's to, Ignition. To all other creatures and all your opponents. Soul's Fire does the same thing. And then if maybe you can't get your Thrax up to infinite, or maybe you know maybe you haven't gotten your, uh, your combo pieces, I also thought, what if we had things like Grafted Exoskeleton or Glistening Oil or Tainted Strike? That way, we only need Thrax mm. to get up to 10, and then we mm-hmm. can infect people. Chev, you were saying your deck was a little poisonous. I thought you were going to step on my toes, but you, you meant in the, <laughs> the more metaphorical sense, and I meant in very much the literal sense. I did also think that Chev was going to do stuff with poison counters initially when he said that, but I'm, I'm glad that we got back around to it. I know. I, I said it, and I was like, you know what? This might be misleading. I just meant your friends will hate you. It's all right. We got yes. back to it. We got back to it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm, I'm here to be the scumbag today. I am bringing the infinite combos and the infect. I'll be the villain. We're in Grixis, okay? It's okay. It, it's fun when we, we are able to kind of take these decks that are from outside our perspective, outside of our playgroup, and kind of add feedback to them and wonder what sweet horrors are in for, you know, whoever this Brady is playing with. Because it's like, yeah, do the most heinous stuff. It doesn't bother us any. <laughs> we, yeah. we love to hear about That's it. That's true. Well, I, I do think that we've kind of gone from as quote-unquote tame to not. Mm-hmm. Like, Eric's deck, even though I'm sure it can be very much a threat at a table of a bunch of fives, sixes, maybe even sevens. Um, once again, still, you're just attacking. Which, yeah. listen, I love me some attacking. But that's not going to win a game against Toon decks. You just said you don't. I don't know about that. Also, allow me to say, we all know of a deck that can just attack that could, on any given Sunday, beat any deck that is played in our playgroup, right? We we know what that deck is. So yeah, anyway, in fact, that's also one way that you can make Thrax much more pivotal and Mm -hmm. effective in your strategy is he starts as a 6-6, right? But he really, he attacks effectively as a 7-7. Now you only have to bump him up just a little bit slash give him in and also give him infect. And now instead of taking three hits to attack to kill, 
for commander damage, he now takes one hit to kill with infect, um, which is which is powerful. And plus, you're in Grixis, which is the color of proliferate. So even if you're only able to hit a person or whatever for say say there's no creatures on the battlefield and you attack for six, you can play things like Inexorable Tide and Tetherit's Gambit and all that stuff and just proliferate someone out. So easy, easy, easy. And then um, I think the last few things I wanted to talk about were just a combination of good cards plus uh, sack engines that you could utilize once you are creating tokens slash just having creatures. Basically anything that's an altar. So Ashnod's Phyrexian. Uh, there's also Carnage Altar, which is just a, uh, a two-mana artifact, pay two, sack a creature, draw a card. Solid. Also Altar of Dementia, which uh, mills people, which... Mm-hmm. That kind of probably would go. Fun. That would probably go pretty good in, in Chev's deck because you're doing zombie things. So you are in those colors. You definitely could do like a self mole sort of thing, and then uh, Culling Dias, which is a uh, also I believe a two mana artifact, maybe one mana. Um, tap it, sack a creature, put a counter on it, and then you can sacrifice Culling Dias and draw cards equal to the number of counters on it. So you just kind of keep that chilling. That's pretty fun. And then I've always wanted a deck to play the Blasting Station, Summoning Station, and Salvaging Station loop. Mm. And if there's a deck to do it. It is this deck, my friend. So make that happen, please. Don't let your memes be dreams. Lastly, I think just a, a couple cool cards that sh should be considered. Uh, Idol of Oblivion, once again, two-man artifact. Just tap it to draw a card if you made a token this turn. That's one of the things that I apologize, I guess, if you don't want to be making like tokens, but it just if you want to be focusing on Thrax's ability and beefing him up by sacking things, you have the most control to do that when you are sacrificing things, and the best way to do that is making tokens. So... We have all discussed making tokens, and some of these cards just want you to make tokens. So I'm sorry if, Brady, you don't. If you're like, there's only one thing I hate more than Grixis, and it's Selesnia because they're only making tokens, you know? So, uh. Then what colors of magic do you enjoy? <laughs> None of them. Or colorless. If they don't like any no, colors, Jeff, boy, no. do I have some no. options for them? No. Uh, Felden of the Third Path is great, if, especially if you're doing something like Eric Ooh. where you just want to reanimate. Um, mm -hmm. because once again, those creatures, one, not only he does not exile them from your graveyard, so you can reanimate them over and over again. And two, they sacrifice at the end of turn, uh, just like Encore. Call time. Personal favorite of the cast, uh, Eradicator Valkyrie. Four mana, flying haste, some sort of conditional hexproof, uh, boast, sacrifice a creature. Everybody else sacrifices a creature. Um, obviously not as rawly efficient as something like a Fleshbag Marauder, but it's repeatable and flying haste four, four is not anything to shake a stick at so mm -hmm. also just a very cool card great art two more uh god pharaoh's gift we got freaking smacked by that card um in our amonkhet draft and lastly i gotta look this card up just i fuck no that's not it either uh what the, there we go what what kind of card is it because i got a meme and i gotta get all the haters mad a legendary artifact equipment one in a black equipped creature gets plus two plus oh and has menace and uh, whenever a quip creature attacks, defending player sacrifices a creature. And if they do, you create a walker token. That's right, boys. It's Lucille. It's oh, from the Walking Dead secret layer drop. Nope. Nope. All right. Goodbye. End of the podcast. Braxton Mundo with a baseball bat. Uh, I'm going to stop recording in 30 seconds. Julian, you have that time to do whatever you want. That's very sad. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've talked about pretty much everything I want to talk about. So, boys... Yeah, I mean, it, it really depends what uh, what Brady want you want to be doing. We've got some options to really utilize your own sacrifice, which I think is the best way to kind of go about or is the way to get the most Thraxamondara triggers. Um, I'll, I'll let Eric kind of summarize his strategy again to give you the, the potential options. But obviously, let us know kind of 
you know, where you end up, what kind of things you're looking for. Uh, we'd love to hear which of these options you really vibed with. Yeah, my, my strategy again sort of leaned on a lot of creatures that involve sacrifice. It seemed like there was already a big mana, big creature theme going on. I leaned on that a little more, tried to help out with that theme by throwing in some looting effects, throwing in a lot more reanimator, both for your own stuff and for your opponents. Uh, leaning on, uh, as they put it, sort of some of the crust of Grixis, where like reanimator, loot, that's all sort of very baseline of like how Grixis should work, uh, but trying to tailor it towards what Thraxamundar is good at. Oh yeah, I forgot about the crust. Um, terminate, counterspell, murderous cut. Play those cards. Yeah, that sounds like pretty good crust. Doomblade. And of course, if you want uh, Eldrazi Tribal, just just hit me up on the side. Oh yeah, Chev. I'm sure. I'm sure if, if he wants to go down the dark the dark path, then he'll uh, he'll slide into your DMs. But um, oh, honorary Thraxamundar. MVP from last week, Grimgrin. Grimgrin. <laughs> <laughs> when Thraxamundar costs 13 mana, just play your Grimgrin. I almost put Grimgrin in my deck, and I was like, nah, it's bad. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Grimgrin is uh, MVP of what the original, like, what, 13 legendary creatures from Innistrad block? Yeah, I think it's, it was, like, 11. It was so bad. 11? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was yeah. 11? Because there were 12 total. One of them was an artifact that could turn into a creature. One of them was Grizzlebrand. So there are 10. It'll, that'll be fun to sit, check against uh, Midnight Hunt plus Crimson Vow. How many? What's the difference going to be? Plus the Commander decks. Dude. A lot. <laughs> All right. So so as we're wrapping up here, um, as the Hex Drinkers, we want to put out a, a special call. If you've liked what we've done with this Thraxamondar deck, if you liked what we did with uh, Magnus's Sakama deck uh, all those episodes ago, we want to we want to hear from you. We really want to hear from these listeners. We're so excited to have heard from Brady. It's been a while since we've heard. Uh, we we know we have a small and and dedicated sort of listener core, but reach out to us. You know we've talked before about if you reach out to us with a deck, we'll obviously do a whole episode about it. Here's proof about that. Um, but even if you just want like a few a few quick hits, you don't want a full hour of content. You want a couple paragraphs. Reach out. Everyone who reaches out over the next, I think we'll run this for for two weeks. Send us a deck list. Send us kind of what you're going for, and we'll put together a pod at the end of all of the different deck suggestions. Everyone will kind of pick a, a deck list to go through, or we'll just give you a, a write-up of, of two paragraphs. Just let us know you're out there and kind of if you're just stopping by for an episode or if you're kind of a long-time listener. Um, this includes friends of the show. If you know any of us personally, are part of our playgroups, are part of our like local LGSs, whatever, uh, shoot us a DM. Uh, should we see you in person? Be like, hey, I heard this call t- for decks. And just like talk about it with us and we'll be happy to try and set something up for you. Uh, friends of the show are obviously very important to us. So uh, you were certainly included in this offer. Yeah. Or become a friend of the show and actually hit us up. As soon as you hit us up, you are immediately a friend of the show. Uh, also, that's true. Yeah. We'll probably, we'll probably do this for the next couple weeks um, in terms of making a full podcast out of it. But if you are just a procrastinator or you're listening to this many moons in the future, still pre- please reach out. If there's one thing we love, it's brewing decks, so we just want to talk about it. So hit us up, uh, and we'd we'd love to help people out in their brew in their search for making that perfect deck. So, and where should they hit us up at, Julian? Oh my God, Chev! I thought you'd never ask. Well, if you want to speak with us directly, you can uh, hit up our social medias. That's Instagram and Twitter. Uh, that's at the Hex Drinkers, uh, or you can email us a lovely email like our friend Brady G did, hexdrinkers at gmail while you're waiting for us to respond, uh, you can check out some of our other content. Go to uh, hexstreakers.com. We've got articles there. We've got videos there. We've got uh, You can listen to this podcast there, although, assumedly, you're already listening to it on 
Spotify, maybe Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, somewhere else. Are we on SoundCloud? I don't think we'd be on SoundCloud, right? I don't, I don't think so. We are not rappers, so we'll have our remixes on SoundCloud too. Oh, just a remix of the podcast? Hell yeah! Just put a beat under it and auto tune our voices. I would listen to that actually. Um, also, check us out on YouTube, Twitch at the Hex Drinkers, and support us on Patreon. Uh, go to patreon.com slash hex shrinkers uh, toss a coin to your witchers uh, if you like what we're doing if you want to help support us uh, also there's just a ton of benefits to becoming a patron um, namely we love you you get the full uncut podcast a week early whole podcast dedicated to your deck um, and flavor text on our website we like to update that regularly also the full full notes um, there's a bunch of different things you can go to patreon.com slash hex shrinkers and read all of the rewards but definitely 100% worth it so if you like what we're doing please go support us there uh, we love all our patrons shout out to y'all and that's about it. Shout out to uh, Brady G for hitting us up. Shout out to Grixis for being, honestly, probably an underloved color combination. And shout out to my co-hosts, uh, Eric and Chev, for hosting this pod with me. And we love Oak. We hope that he has moved safely. Uh, we've been the Hex Shrinkers, and we're signing out. Let it be known that to start this, Julian said, uh, shall we uh, restart courting uh, as opposed to start recording? That is how we let off today. <laughs> have you ever just realized that I'm actually a fucking idiot? Yeah, because, I'm well aware. Like I have been for most of my life, if not all of it. <laughs> so I have no idea why I put this card in the deck. I have one final card that I would like to recommend. Sure. It's Colossal Whale. I love that card. I love that card too. I haven't gotten to play it in a deck in forever, but this seemed just like this seemed like colossal whale power level to me. And I was like, you know what would be great? A little, little colossal whale in there. Will you read Colossal Whale for the class? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh five mana, two blue, so it's seven mana fits the big mana theme. Uh that I was running with at least. Island walk. Whenever Colossal Whale attacks, you may exile target creature defending player controls until Colossal Whale leaves the battlefield. So they don't sacrifice it. It has nothing to do with the theme of the deck. Uh, it's a 5-5 also. I think it was printed once in M14. But it does have a sweet promo art oh, of yeah, a giant whale. Like, the, the irregular art is cool, but I'm going to be honest. You can barely see the, the whale's, like, jaw. And I think that's kind of okay, but it makes it look like the center of it is a ship. The promo art is a whale that is far more massive than any ship. And that is really what I'm here for. It's chomping pirates left and right. He's like flying through the air and he's so happy. He's like, I'm just having a great time. He's living. I do love that card. And you're right. It has nothing to do with the deck, but I'm happy that it was included in this podcast.